Welcome to the Real Estate Marketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I am your host for today. The Real Estate Marketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. Real Estate Marketing Podcast is a podcast that has two purposes. Purpose number one, to educate and inform our audience and listeners. Purpose number two, Dan, to spotlight you, your business, or your service. To spotlight you, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. With that, we have a very special guest, Dan Thompson. Dan Thompson is a seasoned financial advisor and business owner with almost four decades of experience. He started his career as a stockbroker in 1986, but after witnessing the 2001 stock market crash, he realized the need for safer and more predictable investment strategies. He researched and discovered unique strategies, including the infinite banking concept, which he uses by combining specially designed whole life insurance policies to build cash value and access tax-free loans. Dan also Develop principles for ultimate cash flow, which involve combining time, compounding, safety, leverage, and tax advantages to appreciate assets. He wrote several books. Oh, I like that. Several, including his latest book, The Four Keys to Building Wealth, to educate others on these strategies. Dan values tax advantages, access to capital, and controlling the flow of money and is dedicated to helping clients find strategies that fit their needs. Dan, thank you for coming on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Wow, what a welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, Absolutely. Good to, good to be with you, Jerome. Likewise. So uh, we've read your professional bio, Dan. Can you tell us in your own words how you got to where you got to? Uh, I see, like, I always hear people talk about, like, me personally, like stockbrokers and that concept, right? And that was, like, a little bit before I understood what it was. Can you take us through your journey, please? Yeah, you know, when I was 15 years old, I was in the backseat of a car with my dad and this really wealthy guy. And that guy, his name was Dave. He said that he had made uh, um, uh, $30,000 that month in the stock market. And that was kind of it. I just said, okay, somehow, some way, I got to be a stockbroker because uh, I grew up very um, on the very poor side of things. Let's just say that um, uh, my dad worked hard, but we just never made ends meet. So to hear somebody made $30,000 in a month. I was making two fifty dollars an hour as a landscaper. And so I mean, that, that's going to take me six years <laughs> to earn $30,000. So anyway, that was, that was my focus and my goal. And um, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to go to college, but I just begged brokerage firms to hire me. Finally, uh, one of them said, okay, we'll give you some tests. If you pass them, we'll give you a shot. And uh, I passed them. They gave me a shot. Um, it just really caught with me very well. So within 18 months, I left that brokerage firm, opened my own firms, had five offices, had 60 reps, uh, just really blew it up. But it was frustrating because after watching my clients go through market you know, cycles, and the one that just took me over the edge was the dot-com boom and bust, I said, I you can't keep doing this. You can't keep making money, making money, making money, and then lose it. And then, you know, it, it can take eight to 10 years just to get back to where you were, depending on how fast the market recovers. So I went on that quest, found some better, more predictable ways to, to build wealth. Okay. So I have like a list of questions I want to ask you. The first question I would like to know is like, what what inspired you to become an, a financial advisor in the first place? And 
let me let me go back a little bit. Like, tell us what a financial advisor is, because in theory, it's like okay, somebody that advises us about finances. But tell us your definition of a financial advisor, and then let us know like why you decided to become a financial advisor. Well, again, it started with that conversation that I heard with my dad. But what it really boiled down to me was I didn't want to. I didn't want to follow my dad's footsteps. And I hate to say that. Luckily, he's not luckily, but he's gone now, so he won't hear this podcast. Um, But because he was a hard worker, but man, he couldn't make ends meet. And it was just a struggle. I mean, I remember the few times that we had to go on welfare and I just didn't want to do that. I didn't have really many more. uh, I didn't really have many aspirations other than I wanted to be a professional basketball player, but that didn't work out so well. So <laughs> my my only other choice was I loved I loved the thought of building wealth and and having things and and uh, so I so this stockbroker really you know attracted me. And then as you're as you kind of get into the stock brokerage world, what happened to me is I kind of you know um, transitioned to the traditional financial planner. And to me, a financial planner's job is to literally build wealth, create income, help people with their taxes, you know, all that, all that. But the problem is the traditional financial planning way um, is struggling as well. So I am I kind of call myself a non-traditional financial advisor because we want to find things that. improve your tax situation, improve your income. You notice I, I wear a shirt called cash flow because we like cash flow. And part of that obviously involves real estate because real estate's one of the best assets for depreciation, appreciation, and cash flow. Okay. And can you help us understand when you say traditional versus like non-traditional, can you help us understand that in more context? Yeah, so a traditional financial advisor is going to sit down with you and they're probably going to encourage you to, to do a 401k. Um, that to me is kicking the tax can down the road. They're going to basically give you a diversified portfolio of mutual funds, um, which really isn't going to help you much if the market crashes. Instead of one fund going down, all 10 of your funds go down. You know, it's uh, they, they, can't get into um, you know private real estate as easily. Most of them don't. Some of them have some syndications. Um, and then the real thing that we do that really has boosted our um, kind of our our place in the world of financial planning, if you will, and that is that we leverage life insurance into real estate and other appreciating assets and tax advantaged assets. Okay. When you say, so like, I know a little bit, but I don't fully understand it. When you say like you leverage the life insurance, there's like, people call it like a thing. I think this is what it is. Can you help me understand it? And do you, do you understand what I'm saying when they call it a thing? It's like, (laughs) am I correct in saying that? So there is a thing out there called infinite banking. And that actually kind of got me rolling in the early 2000s. But what infinite banking does is they, they kind of encourage you to, to be your own bank, which is a good idea. But then you go out and instead of paying cash for a car or borrowing money from the bank, what you do is you use your life insurance to buy the car. Then you create an amortization schedule, you pay yourself back, and, and that you know, is kind of how it works. 
I learned really quickly that buying cars isn't ever going to make you wealthy, even though I like cars and, <laughs> but you're never going to get rich buying cars. So we, you know, quickly, like even just within a few years, we were like, no, we've got to use these policies for appreciating assets, not depreciating assets, which obviously took us to real estate really quickly. But here's the thing about using life insurance first. If I pack a policy with cash, and now that's my capital account, if you will, for my other investments, I'll always have a better return because when I use my policy, I use it as collateral, kind of like a, a HELOC on a, on a home, right? So I don't actually take money out of my home. I just use my home as collateral to access my equity to go do whatever I want with it, right? Same thing with the life insurance policy. We collateralize it with a line of credit from the bank. Now my money's still working in the policy. I never take it out. It's still growing and compounding. But I've used that line of credit to go buy multifamily housing, as an example. So now I've got the same dollar working twice for me. And then I get all the advantages of the, uh, the real estate, but I still have my money growing in the policy. So I'll actually get a better return on investment by going through my policy first. That makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense. And and like I understand the importance of having advisors and coaches and people around you. So with that, it, it, it makes sense. But sometimes we still need like expert guidance. So I think this is like an appropriate time for you to tell us right in the middle of the show, like how can we get in touch with you? Like what's your website? What if somebody wants to have a direct conversation with you to get started? What is that like? Yeah, so I, uh, I go under the name Wise Money Tools. I have a YouTube okay. channel where I think I have 500 videos or something out there now. Um, so dan at wisemoneytools.com is my, is my direct email. But yeah, wisemoneytools.com website, Wise Money Tools, um, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram. We're out there on all the, all the social media. And uh, yeah, people can set up what we call a strategy session. Spend 10 or 15 minutes with us just just to see if this even would work for their situation. And then, uh, I mean, we're the first ones to tell you, hey, this isn't going to work for you or this might be a good a, a good way for you to go. So we can uh, we can talk them through it and see if it's uh, if it's a fit. Who, who is uh, like what kind of person should call you? Who should call you? Is it somebody that's like brand new, fresh out of college and they're like, I have no money and I want to get more money? Is it somebody that's been established for a while? Is it a variety? Like, tell us about uh, the people that should call you. It's a little bit of both. I mean, we love okay. to help anybody we can. But the reality is you've got to be able to save some money because the first step in our process is packing capital inside of a inside of a, a well-designed policy. So. Now, whether that's monthly, you know, some people say, hey, I, I can save X number of dollars a month and it might take me a while before I can actually use it. But let's get the ball rolling by getting some capital saved. And then we work with business owners who will drop in, you know, millions of dollars as fast as they can, because then they can turn around and parlay that into other business opportunities, other investments. Um, but our typical, you know, run of the mill client is probably somebody who can put away twenty-five dollars to $50,000 a year. They can pack that policy fairly quickly on up from there uh, to the hundreds of thousands and even into the millions. 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So uh, I want to get back to like the streamline questions. Uh, tell us about the the most important lesson you've learned during your time doing this kind of work and being in this industry. I think the biggest lesson I learned, and it was unfortunately the hard one, is that you can't run these economic cycles. You can't uh, you, you can't get caught in these 20 and 30 and 50 percent market drops with the majority of your money. And let's face it, most people in a 401k, this is their, this is their nest egg. This is their retirement. And I saw it in, in, uh, in both um, 2000 and then again in 2008, people, hey, I'm going to retire next year. I got a million dollars in my 401k. Next thing you know, it's 750,000 or, or less. And I, you, just, you just can't do that. You've got to have a more predictable, stable and tax advantage way to produce your income during retirement, something that can last you at least as long as you do um, or or it's just going to be sooner or later. I don't care. You know, we, we've never gone 10 years without some sort of a market cycle, let alone a retirement that now could last 25, 30 years. You could go through two or three cycles and it could just wipe you out. It's just uh, it's just a tough way to go. Yeah, I, I kind of hear about it all of the time, but I I I I never seen it. I usually hear the aftermath. So when I first got involved in real estate, it was like a little after two thousand eight. I can't remember exactly what the year was, but there were so many people that I would come across, and they would say, "Yeah, two thousand eight, it hurt me, and that's why I'm here in real estate. I need to diversify, and I need to change some things." And um, it, it was very interesting to hear those stories. So. Well, and the people who got hurt in real estate in 08 were those who were trying to. Um, well, as, a, as an example, one of the things I did with my cash value policy years ago is I started a building company. So we've been building houses since uh, 2005. But 2008 really didn't hurt us. We slowed down, but we weren't trying to um, we weren't trying to really sell anything. The people who got hurt in 08 were those who had to sell. Sadly, people who lost jobs could no longer you know, pay their mortgage. Those are always tough situations. Um, but the reality is real estate, even though on paper it dropped, rents were still coming in. Uh, you still got depreciation for tax advantages. I mean, so most of the good things about real estate were still stable. And then, of course, you know, at the recovery, when, when, when real estate recovers, it recovers too quickly. And then, it, <laughs> you know, you can't get in it because it, it goes too fast. So we just stay steady. We just we're just buying all the time and and uh, and trying to get that cash flow. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, uh, it's what you're saying. Like some people, they got in and they kind of had to sell and they were running it like a lot of people were gambling, to be honest. They were running it like a sale. And I don't mean like a legitimate business, but people were running it as their sole business versus like investing. And when you're investing something, you're you, you're normally there long term and you ride it out. And the cool thing and one of the things I like about real estate is that it's an asset and real estate tends to go up and up and up and up as long as you keep it. You're not playing like a long term game. So You're exactly right. And not only even even if the the value goes down and it's a it's a rental property let's say the rents typically are, are somewhat steady so we don't typically see both rents and values go down at the same time 
that makes sense. Uh, while you were explaining something that you mentioned, you mentioned like a keyword. You you mentioned, I think, cash value. Can you help me? Can you help us understand like what cash value is and like, or isn't that like a way? Isn't there like another term like the opposite of it, like different policies or something like that? Yeah, the two main policies that you're going to see in life insurance is just a term policy. That's just a, a straight death benefit. It's cheap. It builds no cash value. The day you quit paying premium, it's gone. Um, so it's it, it's the cheapest thing while you're young, and it's the most expensive thing when you get old. Because as you age, um, the closer you are to you know exiting the planet is what I say. Um, the 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 cost is just it's ridiculous. In a cash value building policy you're overfunding it. You're putting in way more capital than you have to, but then that creates cash value and that cash value is then accessible for other opportunities. Thank you for sharing that. Um, this is one of my favorite questions because um, I just like to hear people's different perspective. What is a common myth in your field of expertise that people believe and it's just simply not true? I think what we just hit on and that is, there's uh, there's so many um, myths about cash value life insurance. And most of the time, it's based on a couple things. One, it's not designed for cash value. And number two, people don't continually fund it. And because of that, it gets a bad rap, right? So we've just been fortunate to understand these these principles years and years ago. You know, I've never had a policy lapse. All my clients, the thousands that we have, they just don't lapse because we design them right and we use them right. Got it. Uh, tell me a little more about your investment philosophy and tell me the goals you're trying to achieve through that philosophy. So the biggest philosophy is we want predictable, stable assets. And if we can add in tax advantages, then we've kind of hit a home run. And again, one of the best ways we see it is by utilizing your policy as your capital account. Because if I don't have a place for money to go right now, like for instance, right, you know, we've been looking for multifamily all over the country. There's not a lot that fit our criteria. So I want my money at least doing something. So having it inside of a policy getting that five, 6% tax-free rate of return while I'm waiting for those opportunities is great. And then as soon as they come along, the capital's there, we get into the multifamily or whatever where else we're looking for. And, um, and, and it's predictable. Again, it's tax advantage. Like you were mentioning over time, it's one of the best assets to hold. So to me, that's a great financial plan. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Um, and I have a resource for you. I always like to try to give my guests, you might remember, you might not, but I have a, a partner and he runs a networking event every Wednesday and it's commercial real estate networking and deals pop up on there all of the time. I'll make sure I get you like a link or a resource so you can like check that out and maybe find some deals. Oh, awesome. That would be great. Yes. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, now, tell us the major the major struggles you see in the financial lives of your clients and how you help deal with those struggles. Well, I think we kind of touched on some of them, and that is okay. there's really nowhere else for them to go if they're going down the traditional path than to just be encouraged to 
put your money in a 401k. I call it 401k gel because you can't touch it till you're, you know, basically 60 years old. Um, it's going to be only managed by whatever entity the, the, uh, your company chose. So, you know, if I do a 401k and I'm at XYZ company, they tell me what mutual funds I get to choose from. So I have no, I, I can't, I can't go do my own thing. I can't go do real estate. I can't go invest in a business. There's nothing I can do except for what they tell me to do. And then again, because it's in jail, I can't use it for outside opportunities. That to me is the biggest uh, downfall to financial planning, because I think people need to have access to their capital for opportunities that come along. And we don't even look for them because we, we you know, people just go work, you know, they're 40 hours a week and get their paycheck and throw the money in the 401k. And they don't have the capital to do other things. So they don't even look around. They don't even realize, wow, I could, you know, inv I could, I could partner with 10 other people and go buy this property and look what it could do for us over the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest problem I see. All right. Thank you. So uh, you have what's four keys to building wealth. And I see here is time, compounding, leverage and tax advantages. Can you take us through those and explain in detail? And then I would like to learn you have a book about it, too. Uh, I want you to talk about, book that. about it. Yeah. yeah. The four keys to building wealth. And OK, so time. None of us know how much time we have on this planet. Right. Time is of the essence. And the more time that we let our money work for us, the better our outcome is going to be, which takes us to number two, which is compounding. So without getting into you know too many details, compounding is when your money doubles. We call it the compounding period. That's when your money doubles. So 10,000 goes to 20, 20 to 40, 40 to 80, and on and on. Well, we only get so many compounding periods in a lifetime. If I start compounding at age 20 and die at age 90, I'm going to only get so many compounding periods. But if I don't start till I'm 50, now I've cut my compounding periods down to almost, you know, nothing. So because we don't know how much time we have and because we want compounding on our side, we need to be in bed. That's why you asked me earlier, where's our perfect client? Hey, if a kid out of college wants to start putting away 100 bucks a month, I say go. Uh, we'll help you because that he's got the time, right? And he needs the compounding. And the more he can get working, the faster he can get it working, uh, the greater his chances of, of, um, of doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling, which takes us to the next step, which is what we've been talking about. And that's leverage. Once we have the capital, now we want to leverage that into other investments. So again, using the life insurance as our basis, as our capital account, now we want to leverage that into other investments that will produce cash flow as well. And then obviously tax advantages are huge. The largest bill any of us will pay in our lifetime is taxes. Um, if we can reduce that, if we can eliminate that, that's one of the biggest wealth creators on the planet. If I can go from a 30 or 35% tax bracket down to either a 10 or a zero, and this is why billionaires are billionaires. They figured out how to not pay taxes. 
you know, we got a 5,000 page tax tax code, right? Um, from the IRS. And um, I actually like to call it the, it, it, the, the cheat codes, because if you understand the code, you'll understand what to invest in to get around the taxes. So when guys like, you know, uh, you know, these big billionaires, Trump, whatever you want to, they don't pay taxes or very little is because they understand the cheat codes. They're not cheating. They're not, you know, uh, they, they, man, they'd be in jail so fast. They're just using the tax code. So we want to do that as well. So if I have time on my side, I compound as much as I can, I reduce my taxes uh, or, and then leverage into other investments, that, that is a great way to build your wealth. Absolutely. And uh, one of my favorite books is Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Realwright. And he, he breaks it down. He's like, look, the tax, the tax code is written, so it provides incentives. And the more you contribute to society and our economy, the less you pay in taxes. So, oh, 100%. Totally agree. So um, we uh, can you tell us a little bit about your book? You touched on those key points, but can you tell us about the book? And do you have a copy nearby anywhere? No? I do. Um, OK. Let me grab it real quick. Yeah, you can grab it. And I want you to take us through uh, that journey in the book. Uh, I want to hear why you've written that book. OK, so, yeah, it's on Amazon. Easy to get. Okay. But look, this is what I did. I So I wrote four other books, but okay. I wanted this to be something that you could sit down and within an hour to 90 minutes, it's done. Um, nothing really in depth, but I touch on those four key principles and I explain them just a little bit more in detail. It makes it really simple, easy to read, and happy to give... Uh, Give that out to any of your listeners that want a digital copy, because we also have it in a digital format, or they can jump on Amazon if they prefer to have a hard copy as well. Okay. How, how can they get the, the, the digital copy for free? I'll get you a link, and then okay. you can distribute that out there, and, and uh, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Can you, uh, so it's getting, like, can you tell us about your other books that you've written, and yeah, so my first book was called The Banking Effect. And this is where I talked about how to use your policy more like a, a bank. But it, but again, with a little different spin on it, because we didn't want you to go out and buy cars. We want you to go out and buy assets. The next one I wrote is called The Wealth Tree. And all it really did is I, I took this, uh, this metaphor of a tree and talked about, you know, we got root assets which are strong and stable and they just don't go anywhere. And that's how we compared the life insurance policy. Then you got trunk assets, which are still strong and stable, but they're exposed to a little bit of the economy. And that would be, you know, your strong real estate. And then we've got branches, which can be big and strong, but they too are, are exposed to the winds and the rains and the snows and the different. And that's, that could be anything from a real strong, uh, stock like IBM, Apple, something like that, down to the little twigs and branches, which are uh, which would be smaller cap stocks, maybe companies we haven't heard of, but they may turn into be big branches someday. And then finally, the leaves and the buds; those are the real risky stuff. The you know the the brand new crypto on the market, uh, trading futures, commodities. 
things that you can really lose big on fast. So that was a, it was just a more of a metaphorical uh, book. And then I wrote one on, it's called Prepping for Retirement. And this was just a way to talk about getting your assets in the right place to produce cash flow, to, to produce income so that your retirement can be long and enjoyable and plenty of money. And then finally, the four keys just to help people break this down to the simplest, easiest way to do it. And, uh, and we love the four keys because that's where we start. I mean, let's, let's go, let's just, let's build these four keys and uh, build your wealth, build your income, reduce your taxes and uh, have a much more predictable outcome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so selfishly, how could I get a signed copy of one of your books? Oh so man, I'll sign, it, I'll sign it right now. Give me your address. It's on the way. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to take care of you. We're, we're going to handle that offline. I have an idea. Once we're finished the podcast, I don't want to give you as well. So be happy to receive a copy that I love books and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So thank you. Absolutely. All right. Since we're on books, I'm going to go to one of my favorite questions. Give us, we, we talked about your book. So give our audience, like what are three books that you recommend to the audience and why do you recommend those books? Well, I think the one that woke me up early on was uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. Um, that was one of my, um, my favorite books to kind of get rolling on. And then Nelson Nash wrote the book called uh, Becoming Your Own Banker. And that, again, kind of sparked a lot of interest. And, and, then, um, and then the one that, that um, I liked as well was Warren Buffett's book, because, I re- because going back to my early days, I loved um, analyzing stocks, right? I mean, I, I needed to f- figure out how do you value a stock to see if it's worth buying or not. And so that, that was a, a big you know, help to me to because he doesn't do it the the traditional way as well he's got his own theories and models and formulas and so those those are probably the three that helped me the most kind of get uh, on the path that i'm on okay thank you for sharing that um so these are selfish questions too uh how can someone because i like i don't like people to just how oh, can i pick your brain or okay get a bunch of stuff for free so i like to figure out how you can add value to this expert right so how can someone add immediate value to you right your life or your business oh that's a good question um i'll tell you what really helps us is our our subscriber base growing on youtube um, that gets that, that that gets the algorithms pushing us out there even faster. So yeah, we love people watching our videos and subscribing, and uh, and that really uh, you know helps us get the word out even more. Okay, and tell us your YouTube channel again. Money, like how we can get to that. Yeah, Wise Money Tools is the YouTube channel. Uh, you could probably just put in Dan Thompson or Wise Money Tools, and you can you can find it and. Uh, by the way, uh, not sure not sure how many listeners you have that uh, speak Spanish, but we also have the same videos in Spanish. Okay, and thank you for sharing that. It's Wise Money Tools Espanol. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. So I appreciate you sharing that, and you got one subscriber. I gave you one subscription, so you know everybody else that listens, they'll hopefully they'll subscribe as well. Uh, same question, uh, but this time it's about long long-term value to you or your business. So how can someone add long-term value to you or your business? 
oh man, the best thing they can do is work with us. Um, okay. And and it's it's mutually beneficial because when you work with us, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna help you out tremendously. And obviously, when you work with us, it helps us out too. So it's a mutual mutually beneficial relationship. <laughs> okay. Thank you for sharing that. So I need to get to our closing tables, right? You know about real estate. It's like, oh, let's close the deal. So where's my closing <laughs> questions? Uh, let's see. All right, closing questions. Um, do you have a podcast? Yes. Okay. So the, All right. So podcast, can you tell us about your podcast? Well, it's I actually kind of cheat. It's the same audio from the video that we put in a podcast. <laughs> And uh, same name, Wise Money Tools. It's on Spotify and Apple and all the different places. Uh, but it's literally just the audio of the video. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's a cheat. I think that's actually really smart. And that's why I do mine. I do mine the same way because people consume content differently. Some people like the video. Some people like just the audio. Some people are on Apple. Some people are on Amazon. Like It's all different stuff. So, yeah, I appreciate that. What are So we've got your podcast. The question is normally, what are three podcasts that you recommend to the audience and why? So we've got yours as a recommendation. Do you have two other podcasts that you would recommend to people to learn? So there's a there's one out there called Rule One, um, and this is this is kind of the Buffett theory, and, and I like to listen to it just because again they they look at stocks a little bit differently. Um, I've been looking for, and maybe I found it with you, a really good real estate um, uh, podcast. I haven't found one that kind of does what we do. Um, but hopefully I'll find it. But I, but again, you, you may be the guy now. We may be pushing a lot of people your way for, uh, for your real estate podcast. Okay. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what is one question you wish I had asked you and how would you have answered? Oh, um, maybe the question I wish it's the question I, I, think about for my kids right now. And that is what would you have done differently? You know, it's 1986, you're starting your career fresh out of the gate. What would you have done differently? And I hate to say this, but I, I wouldn't have wasted 15 years as a stockbroker. I would have been into real estate as fast as I possibly could. And, um, and again, understanding how to use leverage with life insurance, I would have until I had the money to do the real estate, I would have packed money into this policy as fast as I could. Um, you know, both of my parents died really young. And had they had done that as well, um, not that we, well, I shouldn't say that. I didn't need their their inheritance, but my brothers and sisters certainly could have used it. And we add that to the whole mix. It's kind of like icing on the cake. This becomes a wealth generational tool as well because you can pass this on tax free. Um, so it's it's so I I think again I my personal thing and what I teach my kids to do is just pack policies. The opportunities are going to come along. You'll have the capital. You'll be able to take advantage of it. And I I just wouldn't have wasted 15 years calling people and saying, Hey, can I sell you some IBM stock? <laughs> Got it. Thank you. So again, tell us uh, how the listeners can find out more about you online. 
So the best place is the either, uh, well, the absolute, the absolute best place is the YouTube channel because that's where we have a ton of content. But you can also go to the website, wisemoneytools.com. Um, and then again, if there's a strategy session that you want to spend 10 or 15 minutes with us, asking some questions, seeing if this is a good fit for you. Uh, we do this very impressive design, if you will, where we'll take your data, we'll throw it into our software and spreadsheets. And we'll show you exactly how this thing could turn out for you based on uh, about 50 years of historical, day, of historical data. And, uh, and the nice thing about life insurance is it's so predictable. And the nice thing about real estate is once you've had it for a few years, it becomes very, very predictable. So when we combine those two, it's just a, it's just tough to beat. Okay. Thank you. So some podcasts, they, they close down their podcast and they say, leave us with like a closing statement. And sometimes people can be long winded. I had a guest on her name's DeWine. She's like, does like, um, you call it uh, short sales and, and real estate. And she's like, I just give them the opportunity to leave us with one word. And I was like, I, actually, that's a really good philosophy. Like have them close it down with one word. So if you could close us out with one word, what word would that be? Compounding. Compounding. All right. So why did you pick compounding? Because without it, you'll never build your wealth. And with it, it'll just produce miracles. Okay. Thank you, Dan. This has been excellent. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. We're going to talk offline after we close down the podcast, but thank you for your time. And I really, really appreciate you for being flexible. So thank you. And we'll, we'll see our audience soon. Hey, thank you so much, Jerome. It's been fun Absolutely. talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much.